I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore, Gulf Coast, online. I particularly every week want to welcome all the men and women at the Orleans Justice Center, St. Tammany Parish Jail, here at Little Creek. Come on, let's just welcome all of them that are joining us. So excited to have you guys with us. We are in week four of a five-week series. Again, we'll be finishing it up next week. We've been talking about this whole concept of being overwhelmed. How do you navigate through life when you are facing circumstances that are potentially overwhelming? And here's what we said day one. The reality is Jesus promised us we were going to go through stuff. We, we can't escape that. But our position, our posture, how we perceive it is so critical. Jesus said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. We've been talking about different habits and Principles. Week one, I talked about building margin into our lives. Isn't it interesting that something that you dealt with at one point in your life, you were able to walk through it, but something you recently dealt with, you weren't, and you go back and you realize, man, I just lacked the emotional energy to deal with it. It's margin. That's why it's so important that we build intentionally emotional, physical, and spiritual margin. We also talked about biblical habits of uh, 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 of spending time with God. Uh, last week, by the way, I talked about one of the hardest biblical habits to do, and that is cultivating godly relationships. But we really believe this. Here's the deal. We really believe that life change happens best in circles and not in rows. Let me tell you when you need people. It's when you need them. And let me tell you when it's too late. It's too late to try to build your house upon something. Listen, when you're in the midst of the storm, when you have somebody that loves you and cares for you and praying for you and standing with you, it helps you, listen, when that storm hits you, that you can, quote, not be overwhelmed, but you can overcome. Today I want to talk to you about a concept, something that we all grapple with, something that I deal with, every single one of us. And it's this concept, and it's interesting how our lives do not move, watch this, from the complex to the simple, but it's actually just the opposite. How there's a reality that we all face where we move from simplicity to complexity. Every single one of us, we, 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 our lives have become so overly complicated. My assistant got me. Recently, I was on a different calendaring system. And I asked her, I said, you know, so she gave me a new calendaring system, and that calendar system was trying to squelch out the other calendar system, and I'll be honest, I needed to pray just to figure out how to do it. The reality is we've got more things. We're trying to manage all of our environment and our circumstances, but there's this trajectory. There's this propensity of life where we move from the simple to the complex. Isn't it interesting, Albert Einstein, one of the most brilliant men, a colossal mind, said this. He said, he said, any intelligent fool can make things bigger and more complex than more violent. It takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. Isn't it interesting in our lives how good things, not bad things, not evil things, just, just the realities of life, the responsibilities and job and family, career and things and just responsibilities. Jesus said it's not just the deceitfulness of riches. It's not just, the, listen, it's not just the, the lust of the flesh, but it's the cares of life. 
It's those things we, we're, we're, we're in fire for God. We're in time with our Bible. We're showing up for church. And, and the next thing you know, football starts. Come on, can I have a big amen right there? See, I got you. You didn't know I was coming. You didn't. By the way, I am a Saints fan. That's why we have Saturday night service. Come on. We got Saturday. Listen, we have Sunday morning. That's why we're, listen, planting a campus right on St. Charles Avenue. There is no excuse not to go to church before the football game. Isn't it interesting how we all get so busy? So busy dealing with the complexities of life. And we don't mean to. Listen, we all set out intentionally to stay focused. But then something happens here and something happens over here. And it pulls us here and there. But I I want you to be of good cheer. You and I are not the first. The fact is there was... There was a family. It was interesting. I was reading the scripture once. I thought to myself, isn't it interesting? Jesus loved everybody, but he hung around with a certain group of people that he spent more time with. I don't know why that is, but there was just, well, I'll tell you, there was a family in the Bible. Here, here it is. You guys ready? It was two ladies and a man. It was Lazarus. It was Mary. And it was Martha. He hung around with them. It was almost like you you look at his his journeys. He would go and then he would come back and he was always popping up with his family. He hung around with them. Matter of fact, when Lazarus died, prematurely it was Jesus that came and raised him from the dead. When the two sisters were crying out, Jesus, if you'd have been here, and that was the classic thing in John where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall not die but shall live and have everlasting life, and then he raised him from the dead. There was something about this family. Isn't it interesting how you can have two kids in the same home, you can have a brother and a sister raised by the same parents, they can go to the same church, they can hear the same messages, but one can get it and one doesn't. Isn't it interesting how you you can have two people in the same environment, they can be in the presence of Almighty God, that worship this morning, and and sensing, and and you can have one with tears coming down their face, and you're thinking, man, God is really doing something, and yet in your heart, you just are not feeling it. How How can that happen? How can you have two people in the same presence of God, two people in the same church, two people in the same, and yet one is so dynamically interacting with God, and the other one, they're indifferent. It's interesting, this story in Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bible, I want to look and get a a peek into the lives of two ladies and their differing responses. Remember the thesis is that I believe it's God's design not for us to move from the simple to the complex, but from the complex to the simple. We have to fight for that. We have to fight for clarity. We have to fight for focus. We have to fight for what Mary fought for. Luke chapter 10, I want you to see this with me. The Bible says, now it happened as they went, he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Here's Jesus, their friend who was a routine visitor. And the Bible says, and she had a sister called Mary who also, watch this, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. There's that word. But but Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Isn't it interesting that highly productive people have a problem with those that aren't? 
Is there anybody else that's going to be an usher in this church? My God, I'm ushering every service. And we appreciate that. Don't misunderstand me. I used to speak in high schools and junior highs. And if you want a teacher sponsor for a high school club, find a teacher that sponsors five other clubs. You know what I'm talking about. There's something about that. There's something about those that are highly productive and they begin to evaluate everybody else and say, Lord, do, do you not see and care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her. Jesus, tell her to get busy. What is she doing? She is so unproductive. She is not, <laughs> she's just going after it. Telling Jesus, complaining to Jesus. Now watch this. But Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You know, when I knew I was in trouble as a kid, my mom called me Stephen James. Come on, you know when your mom gives you your middle name, you know you're, <laughs> you know you're in trouble. How many you know when Jesus says your name twice? Come on, are y'all with me? It's like, Martha, Martha. Come on now, Martha, Martha, Martha. You are what? Come on, say it. Worried and troubled about many things. Pause right there. Listen, you're missing this whole thing. You, you, listen, is God into us being excellent? Yes. Being productive? Yes. Uh, being efficient? Absolutely. But here's, he's, he's about to watch this. He's about to, look, watch. He's about to squeeze in her scattered perspective and show her that she's allowed the simple to become complex. And he's about to show her how to move from complexity to simplicity. You know that old proverb, it's actually a very powerful thing, and it's, Ecclesiastes says something very similar. It says, sharpen twice and cut once. There's something about the power of focus. There's something about fighting off the complexities of life. It's not to suggest that we should not be productive. Of course we should. But there's something about when we're focusing on the right thing. Watch what he says. He shifts her perspective. Jesus said in verse 42, watch this. He says, but one thing, everybody say one thing. But one thing is needed. It's not to suggest that all those other things are irrelevant. It's not to suggest that they're not important. They're not vital. The key to sustainability in life, the key to dealing with circumstances that are so overwhelming at times, is where is your focus? Is your focus on that one thing, on that one person that can resource your soul? The one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away. As I was reading this scripture this week, I began to evaluate my own life, and I began to evaluate how I fail in this so often out of a good heart, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm trying to, and yet I, I, I recognize that proclivity in the human soul that, 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 that wants to move towards a complicated, we, we, we just move towards this complicated scenario around our lives, and, and again, I'm all into planners, and I'm all into Google Apps, and I'm all into, I still go old school yellow pad, anybody in the house, come on, I still write down my yellow legal journal, I've got to write things down, it just makes sense for me, but, but, but there's something that's fighting against my soul, it's warring against my soul. And when a circumstance hits me, if I've not chosen 
that one thing, you'll, you'll, you'll be overwhelmed. You'll be blown out. And every single one of us will deal with it. Every single one. He said, Martha, Martha. No, Mary, she's, she's got her focus correct. She has chosen the best part. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Paul said it this way. He said, there is a war in each one of our lives, and the war is, is the enemy's beguiling nature is to move us from, from the simplicity that we have in Christ, of who Jesus is, that, that, that we love Christ, that he is our Savior, that he fills our soul, that he is the only one that can meet the deepest needs of our hearts. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians. He said, I'm concerned. I'm concerned for this reason. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent has deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds, here it is, so your minds may be corrupted from the what? The, come on, say it again. The what? That's in who? Christ. That's where the simplicity is. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. He is the one that brings our soul satisfaction. He, he is the one that anchors us. He is the one that secures our soul. And yet we go through things in life and we deal with situations in life and and, 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 and is the presence of Christ. That was such a beautiful song at the offertory. The presence of Christ. Is the presence of Christ our portion? Is he filling our soul? Isn't it interesting in the Bible? The Bible uses a lot of images for the Holy Spirit. Talk, talking about rain and, 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 and water, rain and water and fire, cloven tongues is fire. Do you know one of the illustrations that the Bible uses about the Holy Spirit? It talks about the oil of the Lord. Have you ever seen somebody trying to change the oil in their car when they're driving down the street? That's pretty crazy. It's impossible. And yet we as Christians, we try to change the oil of the Holy Spirit in our hearts when we're trying to move through life. What about that place of stillness? What about that place where we come before God each day when we're resourced by God, when we connect with God, when we interact with God, when there's a transaction of the, uh, of the mortal and the immortal, the, 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 the human and the divine, where, where, where we connect with God, where there's an oil change, where, where, where God takes out of us the sorrow, he takes out of us the fear, and he downloads, he downloads into our spiritual computer bank faith and joy and peace. You can't change your oil when the car's moving. That's why the Bible says in Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. What's the implication there? If we don't come to a place of stillness, if, if we don't connect with God, if there's not that moment when we're connecting with God, when we're hearing his voice, when we're getting clarity, it's in that place of God's presence when God says, embrace this, let this go, stop this, start this, and write that letter to that person and say this, don't say that. It's in the presence of God. I'm an American. I know people watch us all over the world on online and Facebook Live, but I want to say this to you. I can say this, that I'm guilty of this. Do we ever get to a place of stillness where we're actually connecting with God? Be still and know that I'm God. There's, there's something about being still, and I've said this many, many times. I, I, I go in my backyard. I, I, I sit in a chair. I'm, 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 I'm real, like, ritualistic with things. I'll sit in, the, I'll sit in this chair, and I 
have my coffee cup, and if something happens to that coffee cup, I mean, it's just like if the devil tries to steal it, I'm just telling you, I just, I, that, that, and I just, and I'll sit down, and there's something about being outside. There's something about being still in God's creation. There's something about the fact that God created Adam and Eve and put them in a garden. There's something about Jacob wrestling with God in the book of Genesis outside. There's something about Moses going up on Mount Sinai and getting the Ten Commandments outside in the mountain peak. There's something about David being an En Gedi. There's something about that down, that down by the Dead Sea. And there's something about Jesus being in the Judean wilderness. There's something about Paul hearing from God after God spoke to his life in Acts 9 and he went out into a desert. And he, there's something about being outside where we still our souls and we gaze upon the greatness and the vastness of God. And there's something about, there's a link where we know God, but we've got to get still. We've got to come to that place where we're, where we're taking it in. That's where renewal takes place. That's where we get our minds to the place of stillness. I, yesterday morning, I, I woke up and I, um, I got my coffee and I sat there. And when I sat there, I, I, I got my Bible and I opened my Bible and I'm in my chair and I'm sitting in my backyard. And, and all of a sudden... I heard that dog. I don't claim that dog, even though it's in my house. <laughs> that dog's not a Christian. I can tell you that right now. And, I, and, I'm, and I mean that. Probably demonic. I'm just telling you, I'm just, that dog's like, and, I'm, and you know, of course, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm before God. It's one of those animals that came from the fall or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> Don't judge me. Don't you dare judge me. But it's like, wah, 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 wah. and I'm just, oh, and I just, and I just, I said, okay, no, 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 no. And I, and I, and I, and I pushed, I pushed out that sound and I pressed in to God. And, and it was like I, I was praying and I just, I, the more, and it's not that that sound stopped but my focus was secured. There's something about, and in and I, and my soul, watch this, and my soul started coming down. And my soul started resting. Something about be still and know that I'm God. Before I close, I want to give you guys three things out of this story that I think are so powerful of benefits of finding simplicity in Christ. Number one, the first thing that happens is that we find true contentment. We find true contentment. Contentment is not a word that's used readily in our English language anymore. Contentment is accepting from God's hand what he sends because we know that God is good and therefore it is good. Contentment is being satisfied with where we are onto the journey of where God's bringing it. Let me tell you what contentment is not. Contentment is not, I know this is a double negative, it is not, not believing for more. It is, is being satisfied with where you are on the journey with where you're going. It's not suggesting, if I'm content, doesn't mean that I can't have faith and trust God and write a vision and believe God, but I'm okay with Christ today, even though I know he's bringing me somewhere else tomorrow. Even though there's big dreams in our hearts, even though we're believing for more, we're okay and we're content today, even though he's bringing us somewhere tomorrow. 
True contentment is not passivity. It's not resigning ourselves to circumstances. It's not simply suggesting that we're not exercising our faith. It means that we are, we are rested and content in our soul, knowing that, that God is with us, God is for us, and I've said it so many times, I'm not where I what? Used to be, but I'm not where I what? Want to be, but I'm content in Christ today. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now at last you care for me. It's flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned whatever I have learned. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm a type A personality. I'm just high aggressive, Myers-Briggs, distest, Enneagram, whatever. You understand my personality. I've got a very proactive nature, and I'm always reaching for it. There's nothing wrong with that, but you can learn. You can learn to be content. I've learned to be content. You think Paul was type A? Come on, are y'all with me or not? Of course he was, but he learned the secret of being satisfied in Jesus on a daily basis, even while knowing that he had a desire to go to Thessalonica and, to, and, to, and all these different places to preach the gospel. There's something about being satisfied in Christ. There's something about being satisfied and fulfilled in God. But what happens? Listen to me closely about this is so important. What happens with distraction is it comes in and we actually begin to put our focus on the blessings of God rather than the blesser. We begin to put our things on, on, the, on the creation itself rather than the creator. We begin to fixate, we begin to fixate on, 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 on something that God's given us rather than the giver. I'll never forget this story. I was, I was, I was uh, at a hunting camp years ago, and a, a guy in our church had brought me, and it was, it was great. It was incredible, and I, we were having a great time just enjoying relationship and talking. There was another pastor that was there. Before we went out to, to go out into the woods, the owner said, can we get together and let's just pray. Let's pray. And as we got together, and he was older than me, I deferred to him. I said, sir, please. And we all kind of held hands and, 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 we, and we prayed. And this is what he said. This is so profound. He said this. He said, Lord, we're so grateful for your blessing in our lives and the bounty of your creation. Watch this. Watch the word. God, I'm so grateful that you have given us your creation and your beauty. Watch this. For our enjoyment, but not for our fulfillment. For our fulfillment only comes through a personal relationship with you, Jesus. Amen. Is that powerful? The first thing about finding simplicity in Christ is our soul finally comes to a place where we're satisfied in Christ. Number two, the second thing is joy. It's pure joy. Joy is so different than happiness. Pastor, are you against happiness? Absolutely not. Happiness is based upon favorable outcomes, favorable circumstances, an environment that's pleasing to you, things that are working on your behalf. But joy is distinctly different from happiness because joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Happiness is a result of emotional, euphoric sense. There's a biology attached to that, a physiology attached to that. There's an emotional release of endorphins and serotonin, and it's wonderful. But what if you're like the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16 and you're in the Philippian jail? What do you do then? Can you be in a place of confinement 
and still be happy. Happiness is based upon environments. Happiness is based upon circumstances. But joy is a fruit. Everybody say fruit. It is a fruit or an evidence of the Spirit's work in our lives. In other words, we can have the joy of the Lord independent of our circumstances. We, 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 can, we can know that we know there's a river flowing out of our soul when we are at peace with God and we're at rest with God and we're, we are, we are, we are like Mary and we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. What's the point? The point is that we're being filled up so that life becomes about being infilled so that we can overflow. So that we're no longer looking optically at our environment to derive happiness based upon all these things that are lining up in our favor. No. We have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Righteousness. Peace. Joy in the Holy Ghost, Paul said. Yeah. Something about that. My question is, are you living in that joy? Mary found the better part. Each day when we focus our soul on God, we focus our soul on Christ, I, I, I beg you in the morning times, if your schedule permits, just to, whether it's five minutes or ten minutes, where we, where we focus in on that one thing. Everybody say one thing. What is that one thing? That one thing is being in the presence of God. That one thing is hearing from God's word. That one thing is connecting with God. Because what may happen that day, we can't control. But what we can control is have we chosen the better part. Have we chosen? I, uh, I'll close in just a moment, but I got to tell you, I, I hesitate to do this when I talk about people in the church because I, I but, but I was thinking about this and I, and I thought somebody that is so full of joy is Gary DeValcourt and Gary runs our parking lot team. I thought to myself, well, that's, that's God's will because I mean, you know, if you run a parking lot church at a church, you, you, because people can not be happy with you. And Gary's incredible. Those of you on the parking lot team, and I've seen Gary. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm driving out. You know, everybody's, you know, and Gary's just waving, and he's just waving to everybody and just, you know, and, and I'm just thinking to myself, and here's my thought that went through my mind. I honestly said this. I know he's going to hear this. He's probably in this service. And here's what I said. I said this in my mind one time. I said to myself, Gary can't be that happy. <laughs> I'm thinking, is this staged? You know, did, you know, you know, Somebody, Pastor Randy, be happy. Although you know, be happy. I'm like, this is this is this is this is too much. <laughs> but if you talk to him, he's been through some tough circumstances. It's not his circumstances, but there's an indwelling joy of the Lord. Are y'all with me? There's a presence of Almighty God welling up in and through his soul. I'll close with this, and it's the word rest. Everyone say rest. Oh, to have the rest of God. Oh, wow. Studies are out talking about the average American, how little they sleep, what they rested. Again, they have REM states and all this. There's physical rest, there's emotional rest, there's spiritual rest. There's something about rest. Pastor, are you advocating that we're not going to be productive? Oh, no. I'm advocating that we're going to be highly intentional. But if we put him first, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put God first in the beginning of the day. Your rest level will be so different. Look what it says here, and I'll close. Matthew chapter 11. This is, this is what Mary did. This is what Mary did. This is what Martha missed. She missed it. Martha, Martha, come back, come back. And I think that God's saying, Steve, come back. Jim, come back. 
Come back. Come back to what? Come back to this. You've got a lot going on that day. You've got a lot that's going to come again. A lot, but come back. Here it is. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Well, I'm going to press. Before you go to your job, come to me. Before you read anything else, come come to me. Come to me. But before you make any other calls, come, come to me. If you come to me, because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you to what let go of. I'm going to tell you what to embrace. I'm going to tell you who to call. Come to me. If you come to me, I've got a problem. If you come to me, if you come to me, you got to come to me. It's come to Jesus. All you who are labor and are heavy laden. There's a heaviness. Life is hard. It's not easy. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. But when we come to him, and we're laboring, and we're heavy laboring. The Bible says, here's the promise from Jesus, I will give you, say it, rest. Look at this next verse. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. If you understand ancient times, the yoke and the oxen, they'd often put the two ox together, and they would have a yoke. The yoke would keep the two, don't miss this, the yoke would keep the two ox together and the person behind them. And here's the thing, here's the thing about the yoke. I ha- watch this. As that ox was yoked with a stronger ox, the stronger ox had the energy and the power helping to pull the weaker ox. We have to go about our days. We have to go to our jobs. We have families. We have responsibilities. We don't sit home and just pray and don't do anything. But are we yoked up with someone stronger that as we go, he's pulling us. As we go, it's his strength in filling us. It's not by our might, by our power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. It's his strength. It's God's strength. It's God's strength. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle, and I will give you rest. Friends, God promises us rest. Rest in our souls. Rest in our minds. Rest in our hearts. If we will choose the best part, every day, I'm going to encourage you, every day, Pastor, how do, I, how do I not live overwhelmed? I can't promise you circumstances won't happen. I can't promise that. But I can tell you if we'll put Christ first, he'll give us that strength, that joy, that peace that surpasses all understanding. He'll be our portion. Let me pray. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads at all the campuses.